Welcome to the JMD podcast, a podcast series from the Journal of Inherited Metabolic Disease. Like the journal, this podcast aims to improve the management and understanding of inherited metabolic disorders by allowing authors to share their work in a slightly different way. I'm James Nurse, the journal's social media editor, and I invite you to join me every fortnight as I learn from scientists, clinicians, researchers, and parents. In this episode, we're trying to simplify inherited metabolic disease. Good afternoon. I am honoured to be joined today by, well, the man who literally wrote the book in Inherited Metabolic Disease and the lady who's now rewriting the book. It's Professor Soderbray and Professor Garcia Cazola. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, James. And we're talking about a paper that I'm a huge fan of that you published with the journal in the middle of last year. It's a simplified classification for Inherited Metabolic Disease. It's over a century since Archibald Garrod first described an inborn areas of metabolism. How big is the field now? The field has enormously increased. In fact, uh, Dr. Garrod described one century ago the first four inborn of metabolism, all of them enzymatic disorders with a biomarker, such as high level of cystine and cystinuria, for instance. And now there are about 1,400 diseases, according to the IEM base, which is an open access database continuously updated. In fact, now, inborn errors of metabolism are not only enzymatic deficiencies, but also transporter, cofactor, vitamin metabolism defects, disorders of cell biology processes such as autophagy, and that includes many disorders without biomarkers with normal biochemical tests. So in order to organize this new knowledge that has grown very, very rapidly, last year, an histology of inborn errors of metabolism was published by Dr. Carlos Ferreira and collaborators, including all these new disorders, in fact, more than 1,100 in this publication, distributed in 130 different groups. These groups are based on biochemical families, such as nitrogen-containing components, carbohydrates, and so on. And a similar approach has been made with the ICM, the International Classification of Inborders of Metabolism. And this is absolutely brilliant work, very important, necessary, but quite complex for clinicians that are not highly specialized in metabolic medicine. So from this point starts the rationale for the simplified classification to have something closer to the clinical practice and to combine and integrate both the, the clinical and the pathophysiological thinking. I mean, it is daunting just how big the field is now. For me, what sums up is when you're shown those A4 sheets of circles and lines that looks like the metro map for every country ever all on top of each other. How did the idea to make this huge topic simple for someone like myself come about? You know, I must confess that I am a general pediatrician. I, and I was trained first in neonatology and I was involved in France, in, in the very first uh, modern generation uh, neonatologist. So, you know, so, uh, getting experience from UK, from uh, United States, etc. So, but then my, in my training in biology was not at all in genetics, not at all in biochemistry, but in, in bacteriology and in uh, microbiology. But I was fascinated by the metabolism of bacteria, and it was the time of the uh, uh, Mono-Jacob model on uh, E. coli uh, with the replication of bacteria, etc. And I was uh, 
fascinated by the way of identifying the bacteria by uh, using biochemical characteristics. And so I crossed my clinical training in neonatology and my uh, microbiology uh, training, and I was interested by uh, the metabolism. <laughs> metabolism, and I was the only one in France, at least, doing that. So I was considered like uh, somebody very special and bizarre because, uh, and, and my, my friends and colleagues uh, uh, in, uh, in neonatology were asking me to, when they suspected something in metabolism, telling, well, maybe it's a sodubrose. <laughs> yeah. And so my training was that. And uh, always I have kept this uh, clinical training uh, and uh, I have been uh, involved in, I developed in Born Horse of Metabolism, knowing nothing in genetics and nothing in biochemistry, absolutely nothing, only from acidosis, uh, coma, uh, starting from the clinical findings. Uh, and, and so when after several decades uh, the, when the, the inborn errors field expanded a lot uh, because we passed from the very early few uh, disorders like PKU, uh, organic aciduria, urea cycle disorders, galactosemia, glycogenosis, uh, porphyria, uh, uh, a limited number of disorders, and then expanded progressively to uh, respiratory chain disorders, to fatty acid oxidation, to ketogenesis, but all these disorders were still belonging to intermediary metabolism. But then when we arrive to uh, the uh, defective synthesis of complex molecules, um, well, uh, many things uh, happened at that time. So uh, I, I felt that it was indispensable to make uh, something, at least uh, for me, in my head, you know, in my head, to, is it, uh, uh, is it a treatable disorder? Uh, is it easy to do this dia the diagnosis by uh, using uh, a blood sample, urine sample in an emergency unit? So I was obsessed with that. And so I began to build my classification based on that. And at the beginning, when I was uh, chief resident in the late 60s, early in 70s, already I made... Uh, a distinction, classification in, into two categories. Uh, one was I called intoxication disorder, and another was energy deficiency. It was the beginning of my uh, my classification. But then I developed this concept, I trying to pack uh, the new disorder in this classification, and I was obliged to open a third category on complex molecules to put. Uh, lysosome disorder, <laughs> lysosomal disorders, and, and, but lysosomal disorders were accumulation of complex molecules like sphingolipidosis, like crab, uh, uh, classical sphingolipidosis. And, uh, well, but then I realized, and it was about uh, only 10 years ago, that uh, we were always speaking on catabolism of molecules, but not synthesis 
or transports or defective. So I got the ID, fundamental ID, that you had elevation or decrease. And the uh, elevation due to catabolism defect and decrease due to anabolism defects or transportation defect. And so from that, I uh, I went to the my my simplified classification. So that's that's the story. Um, how does the proposed simplified classification system actually work? Oh well, it is based on three groups of disorders: small molecule disorders, complex molecule disorders, and energy defects. The first one, small molecule group, includes the metabolism of molecules with a low molecular weight. They are diffusible. Uh, they are, in fact, amino acids, fatty acids, organic acids. They have biomarkers. Uh, they are treatable in general. And they are divided into two subgroups. The first one is the group of small molecule diseases linked to an accumulation of components uh, proximal to the block. These are, in fact, intoxication disorders, urea cycle defects, organic acidurias, amino acid disorders. These are probably the most classical metabolic disorders. They have decompensations, metabolic crises that are potentially normalized after depuration of those toxics. The second group in small molecule disorders is the group of small molecule uh, diseases is linked to a deficiency of synthesis or transport of these small molecules, amino acids, fatty acids, metals. This group is quite interesting, and there are all the new disorders in this group. Most of these defects mimic other neurogenetic non-metabolic disorders, and they have a huge spectrum of severity. The most severe forms may produce brain malformations, such as cortical migration disorders, and in, in amino acid synthesis defects, serine, uh, glutamine, asparagine, or the DHA docoexanoic acid transfer defect. These are really severe and even lethal uh, disorders. And then uh, there are mild forms that appear as neurodevelopmental disorders with an intellectual development epilepsy, autism, and such as the branched-chain amino acid uh, transporter. So we can find the spectrum of, of severity, and this is a group very important for pediatric neurologists involved in neurodevelopmental disorders. So if we go to the second group in the classification, is probably the most important in, in terms of novel concepts and new diseases, is the, the group of complex molecule uh, disorders. These are molecules with high molecular weight and non diffusible. And this group is divided into three subgroups. The first one is, again, the accumulation of complex molecules. These are classic uh, lysosomal diseases, such as mucopolysaccharidosis, sphingolipidosis. They have biomarkers. And now there are new treatments coming up in, in this group of diseases, genetic and somatic treatments. The second subgroup in the category of, of complex molecules is the deficiency of these complex molecules. And here, there are many new disorders, such as the big category of complex lipid synthesis and remodeling defects, mainly phospholipid disorders, or glucosaminoglycans biosynthesis defect, not accumulation. And in general, these are complex and multi-system disorders, but again, with a strong neurological involvement, most of them neurodegenerative, only few of them with uh, biomarkers and no treatments uh, so far in general. And the third subgroup in complex molecule disorders is also a very important emerging group because here we include uh, defects in cell biology processes such as 
autophagy, uh, protein folding, cell trafficking in general. These are, again, multi-system disorders, uh, often with congenital malformations and also with a strong a neurological component, and also neurodegenerative in, in most cases, and with no available treatments or very few available treatments and very few or no biomarkers. And finally, the third group uh, includes those disorders with symptoms due to uh, deficiency in energy production or utilization, and is divided again into three subgroups. The first are the defects in membrane carriers of energetic molecules, such as glucose transporters, GLUT1, for instance, or monocarboxylate transporters that are also treatable, most of them, and have biomarkers. The second subgroup is the cytoplasmic energy defects that include classic disorders uh, such as glycolysis, glycogen metabolism, gluconeogenesis, a disorder so often with biomarker and treatment. And the third subgroup is composed by the mitochondrial defects. That means aerobic glucose oxidation defects often presenting with lactic acidemias, such as a pyruvate dehydrogenase defect, Krebs cycle defects, mitochondrial respiratory chain disorders. These are classic disorders too. But then a large group of emerging disorders involve mitochondrial machinery defects, such as mitochondrial fusion, fission, replication, mitochondrial protein import. And this is a growing number also of diseases, sometimes with, without the classic biomarkers of energy deficiency. So th this is the, the whole overview of this uh, simplified classification. Thank you. It sounds like a lot, but that is an incredible way to, to contract down this sort of 1,100 disorders you were talking about. I mean, can you really make something this complex simple? And are you, are you having to bend your own rules? Does, it, does this always work? <laughs> yes, of course. When you look back at the, that incredible list of uh, very complicated multiple inborn errors, we, we, we do need the simplification. And the basic point for all physicians at the bedside, and mostly pediatricians, but not only pediatricians, is clinical symptoms. And we, if you stick to the clinical symptoms, the clinical presentations, you are obliged to try to, to put all this, this incredible list of disorders into the clinical classification. So that even if patients have disorders in complex, overlapping, non-categorical biological systems, in fact, we are faced with the classical dilemma of balancing the practicality of categorical thinking with the reality of biology complexity and individual clinical diversity. And so we, we need to make a compromise. And I do think that uh, for specialists and for very expert professionals in inborn errors of metabolism, this compromise would be, could be maybe unacceptable, maybe or not, or very approximative, but my strong feeling of a pediatrician trained in neonatology first is that it is indispensable for 
physicians at the bedside. So we have to, to find the balance and uh, do things that it's possible to do that. Are there any rules you've already broken? Because I know in your discussion at the end of the paper, you talk about things that maybe sit across uh, categories. I think that there is a risk in making things too simple because we can underestimate reality. And then, well, an intoxication defect may also have autophagy problems and maybe uh, cellular processes linked to the generation that we will discover in the future. So as we will learn more about the pathophysiology of diseases, we will better understand the impact of different mechanisms in every disease. But in fact, we need practical approaches and, and, and that means to find a balance between complexity and, and simplicity. Yeah. And, you know, balancing between to be strictly true or to be clear, I prefer to be clear and maybe not completely true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that it comes also from a, a necessity. We as human beings need tools to understand all complex things. And well, even to understand the complexity of the universe, there are some basic laws, principles. So I think that it is a a human necessity, maybe ruled by the way that our brain is organized, but we need these kind of simple approaches. Well, I think it is invaluable. And sometimes, you know, one needs that simplicity, especially if you're trying to explain these concepts to other people who won't have the background of even a a, a general physician, but will be coming at this from a, a purely uh, lay standpoint and certainly it's, it's a very welcome I've been a, a huge uh, cheerleader for your paper it's the journal's most popular paper on its social media channels it's a hugely appealing concept to clinicians from all backgrounds how would you say it's been received within the inherited metabolic disease community hmm. It has been always very, very well received when the, this concept and, and this uh, uh, simplified classification was given to audience not exclusively composed of so-called expert and highly specialized audience. And I would tell that uh, if the GIMD wants to stay the journal of exclusively experts restricted to a very limited audience, uh, two, three thousand people very highly specialized in inborn errors of metabolism. Uh, of course, this paper has not its place uh, in the journal. But uh, if we want the GIMD for explaining so large importance uh, of uh, not inborn errors of metabolism, but metabolism in the life and the, the day-to-day process and in medicine in general, we need such a simplified paper to open the, the journal to uh, non-specialist uh, uh, people. And so uh, my feeling is we have to go uh, further, and that's the reason I am so pleased that we have the possibility to uh, present uh, this paper in a much larger audience than the re- very restricted audience of small experts I- in the world. 
I, for one, as a, as a non-specialist, am exceptionally grateful that someone has tried so hard to, to simplify this field. I know the paper has proved popular. I, I think this will also prove popular because um, the clarity and the insight that you're offering is in, invaluable for clinicians and I think also for families. Thank you. It has been an, an honour and a privilege to speak with you both today. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks to you, Jane. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. If you want to read this article, you can find it on the Journal of Inherited Metabolic Disease web pages hosted by Wiley. And you can hear more by searching for the Journal of Inherited Metabolic Disease wherever you get your podcasts.